Hi there. A quick message before we start. Don't forget that you can save money this winter when you book your ski hire at intersportrent.com and use the code SKIPODCAST. You'll get a guaranteed discount for all ski hire in France, Austria and Switzerland. And to make it even simpler, you don't even need to use that code. Just take the link in the show notes and your basket will automatically be reduced. So if you want to support the Ski Podcast, remember to book your ski hire within support and to use the code Ski Podcast or take the link in the show notes. It'll save you money and help us too. Right, let's get on with the show. Hi there, listener. This is Ian and welcome to episode 160 of the Ski Podcast. Now, this is a slightly different episode. Regular listeners will know that I like to promote sustainability and I often have a focus on it on the podcast. Plus, I've curated a number of panels at different industry events, uh, done ski show presentations about different aspects of sustainability. And you may know that I founded a lobbying group called Ski Flight Free, which encourages skiers to see if they can travel by alternative methods and flying because that is the single biggest part of the carbon footprint of a ski holiday. Now today is October the 31st 2022. We're coming into this on the back of the hottest uh, ever temperatures we've had in the UK, a very warm summer, a warm autumn. Sadly we've seen glaciers melting at rates never seen before, uh, the freezing level very high where it's raining and not snowing higher up and we know that we need snow to be able to continue to enjoy this wonderful sport that we love. So part of doing that is by reducing emissions. I thought the timing of this uh, podcast with COP27 coming up next week would be quite appropriate. And so what I'm trying to do in this podcast is look at a lot of the positive work that's already being done out there. And this podcast focuses on three companies who are all taking sustainability seriously. Uh, They're different types and places in the market. I talked with Prue Stone from Hotel Plan, uh, who own Ingham Ski. Kerry Tinlin from Consensio, which is a luxury uh, chalet operator. And Al Judge from Alley Cats Mountain Holidays, who specialises in Morzine. So let's have a listen to those conversations and see what some companies are doing about sustainability. Okay, I'm delighted to be joined today by Prue Stone, who is Director of Sustainability at Hotel Plan. How are you today, Prue? I'm very well, thank you. Pleased to be here. Thanks for joining us. I wonder if you just explain to some of our listeners who might not realise who Hotel Plan are. Sure, we are a group of five different adventure travel brands here in the UK. So we've got Ingham's, Esprit and Santa's Lapland, and then we have Explore Worldwide and In Travel 2. We're all focused on the great outdoors, basically, in various different ways, um, with slightly different demographics of customers, but all with that same passion, really, for outside. Excellent. And long-time listeners will remember that I interviewed uh, Joe Ponte, uh, who is the Managing Director of Hotel Plan, a little while ago. And I think you both of you have come from an explore background uh, into the group. But the reason we're talking today, you mentioned uh, specifically one of those brands, Ingham Ski, which I'm sure many people are familiar with if they're skiers and I was at a, a, an event earlier this autumn uh, called Listex where I was talking to one of your colleagues Harvey Gull and I began to realize that actually uh, Hotel Plan have taken quite a few significant steps in their sustainability uh, side of things uh, not uh, your appointment as director of uh, sustainability notwithstanding I wondered if we could just you know cover a few of those things I was running a panel about sustainability one of my uh, panelists was a chap called Charlie Cotton from from e-collective and I discovered that you're actually uh, working with them at the moment to do a carbon audit of the company. Yeah absolutely I know Charlie very well he is 
elbow deep in our carbon, basically. He did explores first, and that sort of is ongoing to a certain degree, as well as in travel. And now he's looking at our three remaining brands, yeah, Ingham's being one of them. Excellent. And so is that currently work in progress, is it? Yeah, absolutely. We started in August, and I think we want that to be wrapped up in November time. Um, As with any big project, I think once you start you start to really understand the depth that you're going to and some of the complications and I think within the industry generally we are quite complicated you know with old school with how we set things up and where we collect data and how we do things a lot of things sit in people's heads so it's a really good process to map things out and really understand what we're doing where and why and for us to be able to reflect on that as well as the carbon. Excellent. And that, you know, measuring it is the first point. I guess that would enable you then to educate consumers in terms of uh, the carbon cost of different trips and different holidays. Is that right? Yeah, the measurement is really complicated um, and quite long winded at times, but it's just that starting point. What we do with that data is almost endless. So with Explore as an example, because they've um, started and finished that process is every holiday has a carbon label. So we'd be able to do the same for Ingham's potentially or for any of the brands is that as the customer pieces together their holiday, they can see how it builds. They can see if they add in certain elements or certain excursions, what it does to your data, how you travel, obviously, will become part of it. We're not there yet. Like we still have to do the measurement process. We have to do the reduction um, but the communication around it is is really important. That's going to be a very visual thing for the customer to see, but it's also going to come in in time um, as a regulation from government, I expect. Right. OK, so you, the plan here is to stay ahead of the curve. And yeah. in terms of ski holidays, you know, we typically find various research around the place suggests that you know 50 to maybe 75 percent of the carbon footprint of the ski holiday comes from flying if you're choosing to uh, fly to resort and you may know that i've set up a campaign uh, called ski flight free to try and encourage people to you know travel by other methods i wondered you know if as a consequence of that you'd be looking to educate and or motivate your customers to travel by train because ingham's historically uh, one of the the oldest ski companies in the uk my parents definitely traveled by train with ingham's back in the 60s absolutely train is going to be key in the short term, we want to get more people on the network. But in the long term, the network itself has to be improved. The booking processes have to be improved. The whole concept of rail within Europe, I think, is a great opportunity. And it's something that we really want to be part of. Um, But like you say, it's going to be critical for reducing our footprint. I think I'm estimating our aviation um, proportion to be about 80% of our footprint. It's big, 70 to 80%. And we need to know exactly how we can reduce by half by 2030, which is our commitment, and then moving on to net zero by 2050. Like These are big stretches for us, but we are still tackling them head on, even though they're difficult. Do you think you would look at uh, chartering a train uh, as Ingham's uh, used to back in the day? Because that's obviously a way, if you could shift a, a large number of people, and Ingham's is quite influential, carrying a lot of people out to the Alps from flight to train, then that could make a significant difference. We are all ears. These are conversations that we've had. These are conversations that we find difficult to progress for various different reasons. Um, there's monopolies in this area. And it's a barrier for us. So we 
genuinely want to be able to get more people on train. At the moment, we are relatively limited. So I've done the trip out to the Alps three times this year by train, and I go London, Paris, Paris, Geneva, and get a transfer. We obviously want a direct option. We want the answers. We're willing to pay for the answers. Like There's no scrimping around this. This is a genuine commitment from us, but we have uh, physical barriers that need to be um, removed slightly. Okay, well, I like yourself. I, I also uh, travel by train out the outs uh, quite often. And I don't want to make this into a conversation about train travel per se. Uh, it's not so difficult, but it would be a lot easier to have a direct train or another direct train uh, mm. option uh, in there as well. You know, as well as the actual holiday side of things, my understanding is that you've also been looking at a lot of other elements of how hotel plan and and Ingham's operate, including staff uniforms, for example, how staff move around, you know, how your office is powered. It's so big. Yeah. And that's the starting point, really. When people think about sustainability, they'll often just think about climate, for example, and Part of my role is to really pull that apart and make sure that the breadth of what we're trying to cover is communicated so that everyone knows about it, everyone's on board, but everyone can see that they have a part to play. So as important as climate change is biodiversity, so we need to work to invest in nature projects to make sure that we are trying to sort of balance our footstep a bit. Our staff are so important. You know, we're really focusing on diversity, inclusion, the menopause, all these different things and ways that we can support different segments of our staff and our supply chain. We need to look at our suppliers, who we're working with. Do they have the same values? If they don't at the moment, can they come on the journey with us? Like, how do we shape this? And obviously our offices, but in the scheme of things, our, um, how we service our holidays is only sort of two to five percent of what we're looking at. So they're quite small. But even still, we've got solar panels on our roof. We try to clean without any chemicals. Um, We try to minimise any sort of waste and water. We had our waste suppliers coming in to do talks with us to make sure that we understood what could be recycled and what couldn't and what we should do. So it's it's sort of unpicking this enormous web of um, actions that we can all take. And specifically in terms of uniforms, have you changed how you're going about that? Yeah, so we work very closely with EcoSki to really learn from experts about what we should be doing. So whilst I know a lot of the directions that we need to be going in, I don't always know every element. And I wanted to understand, you know, is cotton better than polyester or the polycotton mixes? Like, what are we doing and how do we do it? Um, and who better? So the person responsible within our team, Gina, will speak to Rachel a lot from EcoSki and she will help us and provide that guidance and um, perspective that we need, as well as telling us which suppliers might be best suited for our needs. And it doesn't always work. I mean, that's been the learning, I think, for everyone involved in that, that we want to fix everything in a day. And um, several months later, we are still in the process of working out what we can fix and how. But yeah, absolutely are. Our uniforms are deep in there because we want a fully sort of circular economy. It is interesting. Regular listeners will will know Rachel, I guess, because she's been on the show a, a couple of times before. And you mentioned as well about how that approach towards sustainability covers lots of ground. It's not you know just the travel to resort, uh, etc. Santa's Lapland is a big part of your program. I saw on the list of different uh, things that you've been covering is an animal protection audit. I'm guessing that applies to that, does it? 
It applies across all of those uh, three brands within sort of hotel plans, so Ingham's, Esprit and Santa's Lapland, um, because Explore already have one and In Travel will soon. Within, because of the nature of the uh, programme, it is predominantly relevant in Santa's Lapland, yeah, because we have such a focus on husky rides and reindeer rides and some of those lovely um, ideas that you have as what Santa and sort of that experience looks like. So we are building the protection policy and it's always it's a very robust policy and we have it checked by biologists and academic experts. And we then will be bulking out this time with a real focus on indigenous community. And that's where this is going to be really important because we need to ask the people living there and hosting us what works and what doesn't, what feels authentic and what doesn't, and be able to make those decisions, which are going to be some hard decisions um, accordingly. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting and it just uh, demonstrates how the calculations are really simple. Uh, I was uh, hosting a panel at the National Ski uh, Snow Show at the weekend where we were talking about uh, different destinations off the beaten track. And while with all of these destinations we were talking about, it's impossible to travel there without flying. One of the things we touched on is the uh, that aspect that you talk about there of the benefits to the local communities that tourism offers. And so it's really a straightforward equation yes you might be uh you know creating carbon by traveling to a destination but equally if you're helping to invest money into that destination as well and uh, lift the standard living for people <laughs> it's uh it's very hard to uh, to make those decisions overall i found that very interesting that you had people coming into your office to talk about training in respect of waste but i believe that you've also had uh sustainability experts come in to give uh, the team training within your regular conference recently we had a marketing conference um, which perhaps you've heard about and sustainability always forms a big part of that and when the brands have their sort of brand days and they talk about uh, their vision and their future then it's always a big part of that and that's how you can really embed sustainability from the top down as such if you're having your MDs or your marketing directors talking and believing in it and then having experts come in so we did this particular time we had um, a good friend and colleague of mine come in from university to talk purely about um, sustainable marketing, just to highlight some of the research that's been going on, as well as those tangible takeaways that you can have. And it's so important for expert knowledge to come in, but also for people to hear different voices, different perspectives. It's all part of our focus on education and training more widely. That's very interesting to hear, Prue. And I think, you, you know, you're putting together, you know, sustainability team. Obviously, you've been appointed into your position as well. And that audit uh, will be completed uh, at some point prior to the season. So let's keep our fingers crossed in relation to those neg- negotiations over the uh, charter train, because that would be so good to have that uh, back again. There's certainly, I'm very aware, there's a, a willingness of people to travel by train if it could be a slightly simpler. Uh, option and otherwise i look forward to uh, you know touching base again perhaps in uh, you know six months to a year's time to see how things have uh, progressed absolutely it sounds great all right thanks very much for your time today pre thanks for having me Secondly, I spoke to Kerry Thinley, who is the founder and managing director of Consensio Holidays, a chalet company that operates at the luxury end of the market. Hi, I'm here today with Kerry Thinley, who is founder and managing director of Consensio Chalets. Hi, Kerry, how are you? Hi, very good. Thanks for having me. No worries. Well, thanks for joining me this morning. One of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is something I've become very mindful of uh, this autumn is there really does seem to be a genuine trend amongst ski companies to take action 
over sustainability. And a number of the companies are taking it perhaps more seriously than others. And that's why I wanted to uh, talk to you. You actually had um, a survey that Consentia Chalets uh, released recently called uh, the Luxury Ski Insights Report. And it said there that although, you know, quite a high proportion, 42% of companies aren't taking any sustainability measures at all. 12% are actually measuring their carbon footprint. And uh, a number of others had set targets towards reducing emissions. And the reason I wanted to speak to you is Consentia have identified your footprint and are taking steps to reduce that. I wondered if you could just tell me, firstly, why you decided to, to actually measure your footprint in the first place. We, we've we been aware, obviously, as everyone is, that um, it is incredibly important to address the issues. And as a company, it's very important for all of our employees. It's It's at the heart of what we do that we want to do what we can. We completely appreciate that luxury has often been written off as well you can't do anything because it's luxury and it's not possible and whilst we completely accept that what we do is luxury and there are certain aspects that we can't change about what we do it doesn't mean that we can't change the things that we can and really whilst we started a few years ago to write statements and uh, make commitments um, it was only really when we started talking to PAL which protect our winters that really helped us kind of get our heads around the fact that we can do something we should just give up and what we can do and to actually set some targets now this was a couple of years ago however we then decided to take it a little bit further because change is fine but how do you actually measure whether you're getting anywhere or what you could change or should change or can change and so this last spring I was introduced to Charlie from E um, Collective Carbon and he helped us sort of guide us on this journey of actually identifying what our footprint was. And in terms of measuring your footprint, it sounds like a remarkably complicated thing to do. It's get what your starting point is and look at how you can reduce things uh, from there. I guess there's lots of different factors without kind of getting bogged down into jargon, etc. You do have different elements that you can control and you can't control, you know, scope one and scope two and scope three. I guess primarily you're focusing on scope one, those elements that are immediately under your control. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, I won't say the easy wins, but the ones that we as a company can make decisions quite quickly and without too much of an economic impact and too much of an operational impact that um, the easy wins. Why Why didn't we do this years ago? Um, and what, what were those easy wins then? So some of the easy wins, everyone's been talking about, you know, removing the single plastics, um, changing your, your bathroom supplier amenities so they're a slightly more sustainable source. Let's not be ordering our slippers in from China because it's cheaper. And, you know, those sorts of things that actually are, are easy once you've just made the decision to do. Um, they don't require a big economic input or the input of other suppliers or owners in order to make it happen. And so you therefore calculated uh, your your kind of uh, ground level uh, point that you're starting from the actual carbon cost of someone taking a holiday with you on a, on a per guest uh, basis. And, and uh, I have a note here that says it's 784 kilograms uh, CO2 equivalent CO2E for a one week stay. Is that right? If that's what Charlie has told you, that is <laughs> correct. Uh, Charlie, did, I mean, he did, he did an amazing job. He he literally went through all the aspects of our business. Um, now, obviously, it, different properties have a different footprint, um, but we still felt it was important to, 
to have a figure that we could then at least measure year to year. So yeah, that's the figure that, yeah. that it came up with. Mm-hmm. And the, and the goal is to reduce that initially by seven percent a year. That's what we, after discussion, is achievable to get us to our target. Sometimes this is not a linear process. It's it's an aim. Some years will be a massive jump. You know, initially, perhaps the first year would be a, a bigger jump. Um, as we go forward, there are certain things that we're, when you get into your scope too, when you're influenced by external suppliers, for example, I would today change all our vehicles to electric. Um, they're not produced. Um, the the multi-perp people, like we use the Volkswagen Caravels, they're not produced in electric format. They will be, but you know we're talking 2026, really. So yes, our names are down, and that's where we'll be. Um, so suddenly that year probably will have a massive impact. And so, but seven is the achievable aim um, that we felt was was a metric that we could use. Yeah, and the and the goal is to reach net zero by 2035, right? Correct. And so you mentioned some things you can't access. I will actually send you an email because they're very interesting. I don't know if you know the transfer company called Coolbus, who are based out of Borg Summary. So just invested in some Mercedes uh, minibuses, which are electric. And I think they're the first kind of models around that make that uh, possible. But I'll, I'll, we'll keep that off uh, off the conversation right now. Please you do. mentioned, mentioned uh, Scope 2, let's say, the chalets and uh, you know the impact of those. And in fact, when I looked at the breakdown, because you've got quite a good uh, graphic, which I'll include in the show notes as well, which is uh, an infographic. And you're looking at the breakdown of the carbon footprint in terms of where it comes from. The chalets themselves are the highest proportion aren't they i believe yeah Yeah. assuming you don't own those chalets you rent them off uh, owners given it's such a significant part of the footprint how do you persuade those owners to make the required changes to bring that down to be fair um some of it is 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 guest led some of it is owner led i mean france as a whole is generally quite sustainable the the biggest is obviously electricity or the power um but france as you're probably aware is, is is relatively clean in its its production and so actually some of it is is down to how the chalets are run some of it will is is down to a guest um you know we can't force all guests not to eat meat for example we can't um at the moment our vehicles aren't electric they will be do we stop burning wood in the chalets so you know there's there are certain things now yes the owners we can i mean even a simple thing of just reducing the power this year we're trialing dropping everything by a degree. The chalets, I don't know you've been in chalets as much as most people. Um, they are warm places. Hmm. Um, and especially ours, which tend to have swimming pools and big spa areas, are very warm. And we also want to light a nice fire with sustainably sourced wood, obviously. Um, but dropping that one degree, it does have a massive impact. So, yes, I agree. There are things that we need to persuade owners, but all our owners are on board with this journey with what we can do as long as it's economical and sustainable in what we're trying to achieve so putting in electric chargers so our guests that can drive out absolutely all on board either are installed or in process so i don't think we're going to face challenges from that front it's just logistically we're not going to change how a chalet is heated until it's appropriate that it needs to be renovated and changed the way it's done and that that obviously is going to be a challenge. Some things are more under control, such as staff traveling out to the Alps. Are you looking to change things around so that fewer of your staff end up flying and more of them you know, travel by train, for example? Absolutely. It's company policy that we have a, a priority system. If you can train, you train. And if you 
can't, then you can drive. Or if you can, then and and so it's a tier. Now, obviously, there are certain things. I live on an island. I have to fly to get off the island in the winter, in the summer, potentially the ferry. But um, but for me, I will be training from London to the Alps going forward. I will obviously I need to fly to London, but from then it will be the train. And so that's what we're we're prioritising. I mean, our staff are from all over Europe. So the majority of them, it's easy enough to train into France um, or to Switzerland now for our chalet there. And in terms of uh, clients, you know, I think this falls into scope three, for example, how they travel, because that's not part of your uh, equations. Are you offering your clients uh, any incentives to take alternatives to flying or are you educating them in any way on the on the carbon cost of flying relative to other methods of travel so the primary thing focus of what Concentia provides is we provide a bespoke holiday experience we don't dictate to our guests however I think the word that you use then of educating um, and allowing our guests to understand the options that are available is our focus at the moment ensuring that it's easy for them if they have got they want, do want to drive down that we have parking, we have electrical chargers, etc. So it's facilitating and educating is our primary aim um, at the moment. Really, for our guests, they travel from all over the world. I think that we we'll have far more success going this route than trying to motivate them to uh, choose how we want them to travel to the Alps. So how are you going to let them know about these options? So we've we've we, we've already um, started writing blogs, sending newsletters, talking. We I mean, we organise every aspect of their travel. Sales team are on 24-7 to talk to them, to book everything. And so at that stage, they're talking to them, how are you planning to get to the Alps? You do understand we have this option. Yes, there's plenty. You know, most of our chalets can park up to four cars, so it's not it's not a problem if you're wanting to drive down. Um, and it really depends on from where they're traveling. We saw a big increase last winter of self drives coming from the UK. Um, that that was significant. Uh, now, whether that's a COVID thing, I don't know. Um, however, there are people that will always private jet in. However, we're working with people. There's Snow Drone, there's some uh, transfer companies, like you mentioned, that are providing electrical transfers, um, uh, vehicles from Geneva. And so those are the options we're offering them when we say, right, do you want to transfer? Okay, yeah. you do realise these are options that are available to you. You don't have to just all opt for a standard minibus. Why don't we get an electric vehicle to your to your chalet? So I mentioned I referred to the luxury ski insights report earlier, and I noticed that it said in there that according to your survey, around eight percent of customers are actually taking a private jet on these uh, holidays. Uh, you know, I haven't worked out the numbers, but I'm pretty sure that uh, you know uh, a chalet of people taking a private jet is probably going to wipe out all the changes that you make as a company yourselves for a year. Agreed, agreed. But I can't control what our guests do. We can inspire them. We can educate them. I can't say you can't come on holiday if you fly by private jet. Perhaps I could. Um, but I think ensuring that guests understand um, the impact. I do think that guests are more and more aware. I think potentially in the last year, there was the impact of COVID, people not wanting to, if they could travel by private jet, um, go on commercial airlines. There was the whole hoo-ha last winter, flights being cancelled. Whether if you have the money, that was something that ease of getting to the Alps overweighed, outweighed any sustainability, perhaps. Um, I'd like to think that all guests are coming to the idea that sustainability is important and how you get to the mountains is as essential as to who you choose. For sure. So, well, I guess, you know, as... 
you alluded to earlier education uh, is a part of it so um hopefully uh, you'll be able to continue you know sharing content on the uh, blog when you're discussing uh, with people some of these uh, options uh, firstly i think it's uh, it is admirable that you've actually taken the route to identify the uh, footprint and to and to uh, reduce it um we as a as an industry as a whole we just need to uh, help educate people to understand that uh, the uh, you know a simpler way or the simplest way of, uh, of reducing your footprint is to choose you know not to fly like you're saying with your uh, you know staff uh, taking the train i mean the day we're recording this today brighton at the end of november and it's uh, 20 degrees outside and i noticed down mm-hmm. in uh, you know the southwest of france it's 30 degrees uh, you know, it's basically summer temperatures at the end of uh, November and we've just had a whole bunch of races uh, around Europe cancelled. However, positive news, I've been told it's, it's going to be cold in November. If collectively we can encourage other companies as well to go down the route that you've done and actually measure a footprint and begin to uh, reduce it and continue to uh, educate people, hopefully we can uh, we can look forward to, uh, you know, a, a better future down the track. Um, that's brilliant, Kerry. Thank you very much for uh, joining me today. And, um, you know, it'd be interesting to uh, check in in, uh, in a year's time to see well, how things have progressed over the last year. Look forward to speaking then. Uh, did you spot my deliberate mistake there? I said it was the end of November. It was really only the end of October. However, temperature is still very warm for that time of year. Now, my final interview was with Al Judge from Alleycat Mountain Holidays in Morzine. Let's have a listen to that. Great. I'm delighted to be joined today by Al Judge from Alley Cats Mountain Chalets in Morzine. Hi, Al. How are you today? Very good, Ian. Thanks. How are you? Uh, very good. It's great to have you back on the show before. We've had you on a few times uh, in your role uh, with Montanvert, the extremely uh, good sustainability organisation in Morzine. But today I wanted to talk to you about Alley Cats and some of the measures that you've brought in for sustainability in relation to your own uh, operation. I know you've always been you know, very forward thinking uh, in this. So I noticed that uh, Alley Cats achieved zero food waste last year. And that's a really difficult thing to do when you're running chalets. If you're cooking for eight, 10, 12 people, so hard to kind of get the quantities right. So I wondered how you have gone about achieving that uh, zero food waste. Yeah, so we kind of take a, a kind of holistic approach to the way that we manage food. So we have a permaculture garden here, um, which where we grow as much food as we can. Obviously, it's tricky in the winter. Um but what we also have in, in, as part of that is a, um, a composting system. Uh, and part of our composting approach includes bakashi, which is, allows us to anaerobically break down any food products, which includes meat, cheese, dairy. And what that means is that all of the food waste that comes out of the chalets goes into this bakashi, these bakashi bins, along with some yeast. It breaks it down and then we add it to the compost and then the compost gets added back into the garden from where we then continue to grow things. So that allows us a a completely um, zero waste circular food system. And it's been really important to us. Excellent. And you've also uh, have your own chickens as well. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's the other part of it. So we have our own chickens. They will eat um, a good amount. Um, They often eat uh, leftover baguettes from breakfast in the morning. Um, And that's that's the second part of allowing us to get to zero food waste. Excellent. And you're waste neutral overall. So that sounds a lot more difficult to achieve than composting your food. How does that work? So waste neutral is is similar to the uh, concept of of carbon neutral. Um, Basically, we work with a partner called New Cycle. And what we do is we offset. uh, First of all, we measure all the waste that we create. Then we uh, offset. We try and reduce it and then we offset what we can't reduce. And the partner 
news cycle they then work in initiatives that take waste out of the environment so the idea is at the end of it we have taken as much waste out of it of the environment as we put in in the first place yeah and i i will put a link to that in the show notes that sounds like an interesting way of going about things um i know that you've got a couple of electric vehicles as well because i was asking you for your input about an article i'm writing the other day use those around the resort yeah, that's right. Yes. Uh, mostly they are kind of moving for uh, just moving stuff up and down the resort. Yeah. How have you found their performance in cold weather? Uh, absolutely no problems. Um, to be honest, we never get anywhere near um, testing the, the full range. Um, you know, we charge it each night and for what we need each day, it's absolutely fine. Um, I also noticed that you're kind of reducing the or you said that you're reducing the amount of uh, uh, meat served. And in fact, I think you're offering a discount for clients who choose to have a plant based diet for the week. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's part of an overall kind of um, green incentive package. So if you travel to the resort via train and you opt out of the uh, using a hot tub for the week, which is a pretty um, energy hungry thing to to have going and you also eat plant-based then you can enjoy somewhere between 10 and 20 percent off it will always be a minimum of 10 percent and maybe up to 20 percent in certain weeks of the year okay and so if you were not vegetarian or vegan for example will there always still be meat options on the menu yes there is there's a, there's always meat options there is one day that we're there the week where we do a, a vegetarian menu um, but for people who are hardened meat eaters, we can always, um, you know, cook, cook a chicken breast for someone. But um, what we're trying to do is we have we, you know, we, we spend a lot of time creating a, a menu that's pretty incredible. And we're trying to show off the the, the wide variety of uh, vegetables and uh, plant based um, dishes. And we find that most of the time on that day where we, we do a kind of meat free day, guests often come away saying it was their favorite meal of the week um so each it's it's, it's a kind of important part of, of what we're doing is to try and reduce the overall meat content by you know showing off the best part of plant-based eating as possible yeah well i mean i would say that that seems to be a good policy uh, to me because i read lots of statistics about what people's intentions are and how they want to be more sustainable and reducing the amount of meat they eat is a key uh, part of that it's also one of the most achievable ones and these days uh, i don't think it's that unusual to have a, you know a meatless uh, meal whereas back in the kind of original d- days of chalets it was would be very uh, considered quite uh, uh, unusual or even odd to be uh, selecting a vegetarian meal whereas these days it's kind of standard there's so many meat substitutes available on the market that most people wouldn't even know there's actually a cafe a a vegan cafe near to me down here which i go to on a fairly regular basis and they do a blt sandwich and i almost feel guilty because it tastes and smells exactly like bacon (laughs) it's not uh it's not bacon it's amazing i wondered if i could ask you another question you mentioned the hot tub there so you can there's a possibility of getting a discount if you opt out of using the hot tub and this is something that doesn't really get mentioned much within the uh, ski industry it's often used as a selling point but i've always you know wondered about the hot tub it uses a lot of water and a lot of electricity to uh, to keep it going i wondered if you could give any insight into that well, yeah, like you said, you know, it does use a lot of um, energy. Um, keeping water heated to thirty-seven and a half degrees when it's minus twenty outside is, you know, it requires some power. Um, and in addition to that, you know, we've had a. Well, in fact, we are still in a drought. The top level 
drought crisis that you can be in still in France now. And so 1,500 litres of water being flushed down the drains um, each week, it seems indulgent um, in, 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 the, in the climate in which we're living in. So we're trying to incentivize people to uh, consider, a, you know, using not using the hot tub, and we're trying to give a you know generous discount to people to to help incentivize that. Okay, and are there any? You mentioned the drought. I'm aware that other areas of France are more badly affected than the Haute uh, Savoie where you are. But are there any regulations in place about water use at the moment? Well, at the moment, yeah, you're not allowed to fill hot tubs. Um, the expectation is that will be lifted as of the 31st of August, but that's been in place now. Sorry, 31st of October. It's now been in place since august so it will be a good three months that we are having to live with this um so you're not allowed to wash your car you're not allowed to fill your hot tub or your swimming pool um and the various other parts of that regulation um but we're hoping that we've had good rain in the last couple of weeks and i think by the end of october that will be lifted Right. OK, well, that's really interesting as well. And something else that you mentioned to me before we started uh, the live conversation just now is that you're also offering your guests uh, an opportunity to offset their flights if they fly out, uh, you know, rather than taking the train or uh, or driving this winter. Yeah, sure. So we've we worked hard on um, trying to reduce the impact of our operations um, over the last few years, but somewhere between 50 and 75 percent of the carbon emissions associated with the with the ski holiday come from the travel to and from resorts this is what we're now trying to do now that we've kind of reduced the impact of our operations as much as possible we're trying to now help our guests reduce the impact of getting to and from resorts so we've done a we've introduced a voluntary um carbon neutrality contribution which is around nine euros what well, is nine euros per person and that basically would offset the average emissions associated with traveling from a European city to Geneva and then a minibus up to Morzine and back. Clients can choose to opt out of that if they want to. Yeah, it's entirely voluntary. And if they feel like they've traveled further and they'd like to pay a bit more, they can do that too. And then 100% of the proceeds go to Foundation Good Planet, which is a um, which invests in projects that offset carbon uh, in various places around the world. Okay, excellent. Well, I, I've touched on um, offsetting before uh, during my conversation with uh, Helen Coffey. That's a separate podcast that you can uh, listen to. That, that's brilliant, Al. Um, really enjoyed talking to you uh, about that. And I wish you all the best uh, for this winter. And I'll be really interested to hear, uh, you know, when it comes towards the end of the season, what the take up was from your guests in relation to the to the offsetting and whether how many uh, of your guests actually opted to, you know, get that discount by taking the green or options sure i'd be delighted yeah absolutely cool all right that's great thanks very much for your time today and we'll speak to you again soon cheers Ian. so i hope you found those conversations interesting stimulating and definitely some positive ideas there for the future i'm going to be covering more sustainability during the subsequent podcast as we go on there are lots of great uh, initiatives going on i'll try and uh, do one focusing on what resorts are doing as well at some point uh, for now, I enjoy all feedback, so if you would like to let me know what you think, you can get in contact with us uh, on social via at the Ski Podcast or email theskipodcast at gmail.com. We've got 159 other episodes to catch up on. Uh, normally, we get about 75 to 100 of those listened to uh, every week. Uh, but for now, I would like to thank Prue, Kerry and Al for joining me. And uh, our next episode will be on the 14th of November. That'll be episode 161. It's going to be a Ski Boot special. I'll be joined by Al Morgan and Colin Martin. For the meantime, thanks for joining us today, listener, and until next time, goodbye.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ski Podcast. Don't forget that if you want to support the podcast, then remember to book your ski hire with Intersport and use the code SKIPODCAST or simply take the link in the show notes. It'll save you money and help us too. Thanks again and have a great winter.